are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Monday show for you. We're going to go over those plays this past weekend in college and pro football. Just an excruciating, excruciating day in college. Bounced back nicely yesterday in the pros. Doing really well in the pros this season. Over 66% right now. But we got so much to talk about in re- in regards to what happened in college and pro football Yesterday, probably won't even get to all of it today, but we'll get to some of it. And I also want to talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs that have started. My gosh, the Dodgers are at it again. Holy shit. Get to all that momentarily. All right, let's recap what happened this weekend in your picks. Saturday was rough. Easy. Best bet winner on the Georgia Bulldogs. I knew they were going to put a game together. I'm glad I guessed it was going to be this past weekend, but that was a full-on thumping of the Kentucky Wildcats. They rolled up over 600 yards and 33 first downs. Like, never in doubt, easy winner. I'm now 5-1 and one on my college best bets, so I'm happy with that. My four other picks, 2-2, two and two, and <laughs> I'm sure if you paid attention to the games, you know what I'm talking about. So I went four and five overall this weekend in college. But do you realize that I lost two games by a half point, one game by six points, and one game by four and a half points because there was a pick six in the last 30 seconds? I mean, this easily could have been a seven and two weekend in college. Ugh. Maryland, I mean... Take the first drive of the second half, get a touchdown, go up 17 to 10 with 10 minutes left in the third quarter, getting 19 and a half, and they get outscored 27 nothing the rest of the game, and they lose by 20, and we lose by a half point. It's it happens. We're gonna win games by half points this year. But that one stung a little bit, especially when you had a lead getting 19 and a half points. The Army game was close throughout. Uh, minus three against BC. They were up by four late in the game. BC scored with under a minute to go, and Army lost by three, laying three. So we lost that one. Winners on Louisiana and Nebraska on Friday night. Those were uh, Louisiana wasn't an easy winner. They were trailing a lot of the second half, but then they put together a couple drives, and they ended up winning by double digits. And Nebraska was beating Illinois the whole time. Illinois has not covered a game this year. Just keep that in mind moving forward. My three dog plays, half-point loss on Marshall, getting six and a half. They lose by seven. That game was back and forth. I think they fell behind by 14 at one point, but for the most part they were right at that seven number but could never get over the hump. They were leading in the first half a couple times. Didn't cover that one. Louisville outright winner over uh, Notre Dame, so we're happy with that one. And then Missouri. I mean, Missouri is covering. They're down by three with under a minute to go, and they throw a pick six in their own territory. You know, they ran, LSU ran it back about 20, 25 yards. So that ended up being a loss. I mean, that would have looked so much better with a 2-1 and one in the dogs and the only a loss by a half point. And then in terms of my three-team 10-point tees, again, stupid of me, two of the three legs were very easy winners. 
Georgia down to four and a half and Marshall plus the 16 and a half. If I would have used the third team on any of the other plays I gave you this weekend, Maryland, Army, Louisiana, Nebraska, (laughs) or Missouri, any of those would have won. And yet I gave you SC and they didn't, they were never even close. I mean, they were laying 22 that game. They were never even close to covering. I, they got up by eight. That was the biggest. And they, so they were never even covering the minus 12 on the tees. So just a bad call by me and uh, not a good Saturday, but came back strong yesterday. Um, when I gave out the play, the best bet in the uh, NFL, uh, I gave it out on Friday. It was Atlanta minus two. Some of you might have gotten two and a half. Some of you might have gotten one and a half. I'm calling it a push because that's what I gave it out out on Friday. That was a push. We had we went two and one on your other picks. The Niners blow out the Cowboys. Indy was a winner outright, and Denver uh, had a chance there. They're down by three. Had the ball on their own forty yard line, under a minute to go. Could have kicked a field goal. Could have gone to overtime. See what happens there, or. Could have got a touchdown and would have won the game outright, but Russell Wilson fumbles. Jets were in the back for a touchdown. Jets lose. I mean, Denver loses. So I lose that pick. Underdog play in the NFL really well. Pittsburgh outright again. You just can't go against stats like that. And when Pittsburgh plays Baltimore again, I'm sure we'll be on the underdog in that game. I mean, when the underdog has now covered in that series 12 times in a row and in the last 18 times they've played. The underdog is 16-1-1. I mean, you can't ignore numbers like that. It's not a small sample size. It just goes to show it doesn't matter what the line is on that game. You've got to bet the underdog because those two teams, no matter what their records have been, just play close, tight games. I watched that full Steelers-Ravens game yesterday, and the Steelers were god-awful for three and a half quarters. Baltimore did everything in their power to give that game to the Steelers, and they finally took it from them late in the fourth quarter. But we'll take it as a win. Now 4-1 and one on my underplays in pro football, including um, four and one, four of them, all, all four winners have won outright. So we're at plus 4.9 units on the money line in pro, and then an easy three-team 10-point tees winner in the pros with Indy plus 12.5. They won the game outright by seven. Miami told you if I hope you put them in a bunch of teasers there was no way they weren't going to destroy the Giants laying two and a half on the tees they won by 16 and the Rams got a little well I shouldn't even say got a little hairy there because the Rams were getting 14 and a half on the tees were never trailing by 15 or more so those are ones that you can consider secure plays and those are ones that you never had to sweat so four one and one in the pros I am now 20 10 and one in the pros, so 66%, not bad at all. And college, I am 27, 25, and 3 now. But, man, could have had a better college day than that. The biggest story in college football over the weekend was Miami Hurricanes and just the incompetence by the coaching staff. I would just put it on the head coach. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, the special teams <laughs> – Assistant head coach needs to be blamed. No, it's on the coach, head coach, Mario Cristobal. If you haven't seen this, it's just indescribable because even what they did, sometimes when a coach makes a boneheaded move, you can be like, okay, he shouldn't have done that, but there is a benefit if he did do it. No, there was no benefit here. The bottom line was 
Miami was up 20-17 to 17 on Georgia Tech, and there was less than 40 seconds left in the game, and Georgia Tech didn't have any timeouts left. <laughs> Know what that means? Hike the ball, get on your knee, game over. There's no, oh, well, if you run the clock down, you're still going to give uh, Georgia Tech a chance. They're going to get the ball back with it might be three seconds, and you never know. They could throw a, a lateral and do all this crazy. No. All Miami had to do was snap the ball, take a knee, and the game was over. What they do? They hand it off to their running back, and he fumbled. And, my, and Georgia Tech recovered. Horrible decision to even hand it off. It happened. Okay. Put it behind you. He fumbled on Georgia Tech's own 25. Georgia Tech still 26 seconds left on their own 25 with no timeouts. And what did Georgia Tech do? Completion, completion, touchdown. So it bad enough that you even ran a play that you never should have run in the first place. Your defense couldn't stop a team from scoring a touchdown that needed 75 yards and had no timeouts and only had 26 seconds on the clock. They went incomplete on first down. They threw a pass down to the 44-yard line on second down, and then on first down with 10 seconds left in the game, quarterback rolled out, escaped pressure, found a guy wide open behind the safeties. I don't know what Miami's defense was thinking, but Georgia Tech receiver got behind the defense, scored a touchdown. It's a fireable offense of how bad that is. And if you if you have a really good memory and you care about Oregon football, you will know that Mario Cristobal did the same exact thing when he was coaching at Oregon a few years ago. The clip made the rounds on Saturday to point out how incompetent Mario Cristobal has been in this situation. It was another situation. He was playing against Stanford. They were at home. They had a lead. There was like a minute and 20 left. It was like second down, and Stanford had one timeout left. It was just all you had to do was take a knee, force Stanford to use their timeout, take another knee, and Stanford, being down a touchdown, would have needed to drive the length of the field and have less than like been like 15 or 20 seconds. It was something like that. And Mario Cristobal handed the ball off, and when he was head coach at Oregon, Oregon player fumbled, Sanford got the ball, ended up, I believe, tying it in regulation and winning it in overtime. But once again, just I don't know what – see, there is no benefit to run the ball. There's absolutely no upside whatsoever. The only thing that you can do – and look, 999 times out of 1,000, that, that running back probably doesn't fumble. And you win the game. And yet, even after the game, Mario Cristobal couldn't take any responsibility for it and talked about our defense, all we needed to stop with them was on two plays, and just, he should be fired. That was, I mean, this is an undefeated Miami team. Should they have even been that close with Georgia Tech? Probably not. Georgia Tech is the first team in college football history to lose a game outright as a 17-point favorite or more one week, and then the next week win a game outright as a dog of 17 or more. College football is the best. And speaking of college football being the best, going into this weekend, there was an account out there that put out what the projected 12-team playoff field would look like this year in college football. Now, this was going into this past weekend, so it doesn't really mean much. I mean, they're going to do the, they're going to do a projected 12-team playoff field probably every week, but it'll it'll mean more at the end of the season. But just I was just looking at it and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so awesome." 
just look, just just pretend that going into this past weekend was the end of the season. Your top four seeds would have been Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Texas, in that order. One, two, three, four. Georgia would play the 9-8 winner. You know who would have played in the 8-9 game if the season ended before this weekend? Washington and Alabama. It's a hell of a game. Because it's it's a matchup we rarely would ever see. If I mean, how many times have Washington and Alabama played in their history? Probably not many. And that winner would play Georgia. So you could have Georgia and Alabama in the quarters, or Georgia and Washington, who arguably might have the Heisman Trophy winner on their team in the quarters. Texas would play the winner of Ohio State and Air Force. Okay. Look, Air Force is good, and they run that silly, I wouldn't even call it silly option, but their their rushing offense is just crazy. And let's just say Ohio State wins that game. You'd get Ohio State and Texas in the quarters. You know what the 6-11 matchup would be? Penn State-Notre Dame. Two storied franchises. Who wouldn't want to see that with the winner playing Florida State? And then Oregon and USC in the 7-10 matchup. I mean, with the winner playing Michigan. So let's say the lower seeds all won. You would have a quarterfinal of Alabama-Georgia, Texas-Ohio State, Florida State-Penn State, and Michigan-Oregon. I'm telling you, I've been saying it since this was announced. I'm going to keep saying it until we kick off 2024 season. The 12-team playoff is going to be so much fun. I don't think we're necessarily going to get a underdog national champion because in the current system, the underdog, someone like TCU, only had to win two games to win a national championship. In this case, in this scenario, in the four-team playoff, if you want an underdog to succeed, they're going to have to win four games, and they're just not going to have the manpower to do it. They might pull one upset. They might pull two, but they're not pulling four. So, But what it's going to give us is these matchups, you know, Georgia-Alabama or Georgia-Washington, Texas-Ohio State, Michigan-Oregon, Florida State-Penn State or Florida State-Notre Dame, you know, now – Obviously, this 12-team projected playoff field is going to change. Notre Dame has no chance of making, I think, a 12-team playoff unless they win out. And I don't see that happening considering the way their team looks right now. But I saw this and I was like, this is awesome. I still, I I cannot wait till next year. I'll have more college football talk uh, in tomorrow's uh, podcast. Uh, I want to talk about some NFL headlines. I don't know what it is. And I I understand NFL wants to be global and they want to show their sport to different countries. But every time there's games in Europe, there's just always wonky stuff that happens. And there's always upsets that happen just because I think teams aren't used to travel of, you know, traveling to Europe and and practicing in just a foreign land. And you're not on your regular routine or whatever. I mean, how in the world do you explain the Buffalo Bills last week? beating the Miami Dolphins like a drum by four touchdowns, and the and then one week later they can't beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I would say, now look, they now granted Jacksonville had a little bit of an advantage because they got to stay in Europe since they played in Europe last week, but if Buffalo's the team that we want them to be, if Buffalo's the team that we expect them to be, if Buffalo is the team they expect themselves to be, you have to win that game. 
and they looked terrible. They slept walked for the first three and a half quarters. Just ugly game. And I, you know, these Europe games, I, I get it. It's, it's great for gamblers and great for people watching at home because we got a full day of football from eight in the morning till ten at night. But I mean, I, I'd have to literally go over the schedule. But I, I'm I've lost track just off the top of my head of how many games where wonky shit happens in Europe. They're usually games are usually pretty close, and there's been plenty of upsets in the past for sure. The other thing that keeps on rolling are the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts has won 22 of his last 23 regular season games. I mean, <laughs> at what point, and, you know, he was second in the MVP voting last year, as he should have been. There was argument. You can make an argument. He should have been the MVP last year. But 22-1, and one, the guy doesn't lose. And, you know, I, I, I have a feeling the NFL uh, Rules Committee is going to outlaw the brotherly shove or the tush push, whatever you want to call it. I think they're going to outlaw it next year. I'm all for outlawing it just because, you know, like I understand that anybody can do it. And if it gets you a first down, what if the whole, if the whole point of football is to get a first down and score points. And if you can get, if you can use that play every single time to get a first down, then, you know, more power to you. Philly gets it every single time, but it's just crazy because if it's third and one, if you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles and it's third and one, you might as well just just say, hey, can we just start, uh, we just give them the yard and go first and ten. How come they're the only team in the NFL where every single time they run the brotherly shove or the tush push, it works? Now, it works plenty of times for other teams. Tom Brady used to run it all the time and was always successful. I'd say it works a lot for the other teams, but I've seen it. I've seen it stopped before. I've seen it doesn't happen often, but it does. But Philly, every single time, it's third and one, third and one and a half. It's just like, oh, well, they're not going to run. If you're cheering for the other team like I was yesterday because I had the Rams plus the four and a half before it got down to three at kickoff, uh, but I had them in a tease, so that was okay. But I'm just, just like, it's just so deflating because you just want – you want to watch football on Sunday and you want to just, especially on a play, a third and one, like how many times have you watched a college football game or another pro football game where it's third and one and they run a play or they try and outsmart the defense or the defense tries to outsmart the offense and they run a bootleg and, oh, they read it correctly and they stopped him or you hand off to the running back and he gets stopped behind the line of scrimmage and you're just like, oh, great play or whatever. Now, granted, if, you're, if you have the team that needs the first down and they get stopped, you're pissed. But – I just I want to see a play run, and I understand that is a play because you're hiking it. And I just when you when they when they succeed every single time, it just bugs the shit out of me. And it has nothing to do with me hating Philly or whatever. It had nothing to do, and it, and it, and it had nothing to do with because I had the Rams. You know, it had nothing to do with any of that because I've told you this a couple weeks ago that I just want them to outlaw it. And two New York Giants football players got injured during one of the plays, which is basically a rugby scrum. So I have a feeling they might outlaw it uh, next year. It's not going to happen this year. Philly's going to be able to run their brotherly shove as much as they want and get a first down every single fucking time. But I think it's going away. The other story in the NFL is the only other 
undefeated team. Philly and the San Francisco 49ers, both 5-0. and San Francisco laid the wood to the Cowboys last night. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy was the last pick in the NFL draft two years ago. Brock Purdy has also not lost a game that he finished since he's been starting for the San Francisco 49ers. Take that in. The last pick in the draft, seventh round, last pick, 32nd pick in the seventh round, has not lost a game that he ended the game as the starter. The only game that he has lost were the NFC title game against the Eagles, where the Eagles blew them out and Purdy got hurt in the first quarter. Maybe they would have lost the game anyway, but it is amazing what he's doing. And it's not like, you know, I know love people love to throw around game manager and system quarterback. I'm sorry. The kid is smart. He makes every good throw. He makes every smart read. He doesn't turn the ball over. Granted, he's got the best weapons around him than any team in the NFL outside of maybe the Miami Dolphins. But he still has to get them the ball. He's it, it's an incredible story. It really is. Because the only quarterback who's done as well as him that was um, drafted that low is someone like a Brady who got drafted in the sixth round. So, I mean, did you see the way he just carved up the Dallas Cowboys? Dallas Cowboys was have one of the best defenses in the NFL. They absolutely looked like they had no idea what they were doing out there last night. None. Incredible, incredible performance by Brock Purdy. We're going to talk about more NFL stuff and more college stuff for tomorrow. But those are the topics that I wanted to hit today. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. The Daily Roundup is on my Reality Steve podcast feed if you want to check that out. That's been posted about an hour ago. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.